Welcome to Government Lovebot, the only podcast whose official stance is the D&D movie is pretty good. I'm D. I'm Nick. I'm Tyler. Well, I, I just gotta say, um, we might not be the only podcast who has, like, that stance, but we are certainly the only one whose official stance is the D&D movie was pretty dang good. Not sponsored, either. What a, yeah, what a good movie. <laughs> shockingly. I mean, it's just shockingly good. Like, I really didn't expect what I got out of it. Well, yeah, especially because, like, previous D&D movies were, like, they were attempted, and they weren't half-assed. It's like, they were star-studded affairs, had people that uh, at least claimed to to like and play the game and enjoy all of that type of stuff surrounding it. And it came out, honestly, not 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 that great. But this one had hit the nail on the head. because This one was built different. Built almost entirely correctly. And the things that weren't correct, I didn't even mind that much. Yeah, I, I mean, like, there, there was definitely, like, some aspects of it that I, I wasn't crazy about. But mostly, you know, I had a good time. I liked it. Uh, yeah, I I thought it was fantastic. I made some jokes like uh, we saw, everybody saw in the trailer that, that have seen the trailers for this. Um, the dru- druid lady going into Owlbear and, like, no, Druids can't turn into owlbears. They're monstrosities, I think. Yeah, Have probably. you seen Sophia Lillis? She can do whatever she wants. <laughs> she can do whatever she wants. Thank you. You got a little bit of a crush there? Oh, I love Sophia Lillis. If you like Sophia Lillis in the Dungeons and Dragons movie, watch I Am Not Okay with This on Netflix. That show is fantastic. I've heard so many good things about it, but then they canceled yes, it. Yes, it's a tragedy Netflix it. canceled it. Yeah. Um, but actually that's one thing that I want to talk about the D D movie is the fact that like there's like uh specifically Sophia Lillis and Justice Smith, who plays um forgetting the wizard's name. Oh my god, Simon. Simon um, I was gonna say Simon the Sorcerer. Yeah. Uh, they're both fantastic actors who I feel like don't get enough credit. Like Justice Smith was in the Quarry, which is that uh video game that was like Until Dawn, and he was great in that. And Sophia Lillis has been great in like everything that she's been in as well. So like I just think that I'm glad that this movie made a lot of money so that a lot of attention was put on those two and Michelle Rodriguez, I believe that's her name. Yes, who played Holga? Yes, I love her. I love her too, but I feel like she gets a bad rap because she is a star in the Fast and Furious movies. So like she kind of gets pegged in the same thing as like Vin Diesel where it's like, oh silly goofy. Like silly goofy. Yeah, I mean like What did you say? <laughs> what what was that? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean like I, I I don't know, like I think that the fat. I can't believe they're making another Fast and the Furious movie. First, like how they can't be stopped. I just don't understand who keeps these movies profitable. It's me. I'm gonna be honest. It's me. Tyler Tyler buys out. That's right. And then I bring like a I bring like a a Fisher Price toy steering wheel and I attach it to the seat in front of me (laughs) and I pretend that I'm part of the family. Oh yeah, I love them. My my mom got me watching them when I was like a kid, and I was like, yeah, 
let's fucking go. And I just watched it. Like, they're ridiculous. Like, they're just like, like, what's more fun than watching Ludacris drive a Jeep out of a plane? Like, <laughs> like fuck it. Why not? We ball. I've never actually watched too many of the Fast and the Furious movies. I think I've seen, like, maybe the first one. Uh, Fast and Furious? Have... Fast and Furious. Yep, not uh, the Fast or the Furious. Fast and Furious. Yes, yes. The the very first. I, I think I might watch all of them and then info dump about it for a little while. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've watched up to, like, the fourth or fifth one after Paul Walker died and Brian left the family. And all that jazz. That was, like, pretty much where I stopped. And then they made, like, four more Nick. movies and brought in... the life. <laughs> then they brought in... the life. Then they brought in Jason Statham, John Cena... The Rock. <laughs> the Rock. Literally just <clears throat> this wacky cast that is hard to believe that they're all in the same movie going on about family. It's family. Don't quote me on this, but I think John Cena is canonically Dominic Toretto's brother. Which is like, what an actor to choose for that role. What the fuck? I don't know if that's for certain. It might just be something I'm misremembering, but if I remember correctly, it's like Dominic Toretto's brother. I remember seeing trailers. I've not watched recent ones, but I remember one of them being like, Dominic, it's your brother. And everybody's like, what? He has a brother that's never been mentioned, but he goes on about family? <gasps> when I, I, I can't wait to hear, uh, well, no, he's a villain for one, because that's how they roll. They got to do the, uh, they got to do the, they get a villain and then that villain becomes part of the family. You got to do the Dragon Ball Z, uh, antagonist arc. Yeah, exactly. They, they just consume the villains of every, of every movie into their family. It, it's sort of like how, in every Rocky movie, the last guy that Rocky had to fight becomes the person that trains him to fight the new guy. Well, they you know stopped I mean? that after four, though. Oh, that is true. Actually, I don't think they do that any time other than Apollo. Well, no, because... Uh, uh, sorry, it's been a while since I've seen the Rocky movies. In, in three, he fights Clubber Lang. Yes, and then Clubber uh, Lang... In... Clubber Lang... Trains him to fight uh, the Russian. Does he? I don't yes. think Mr. T's in four. No, he definitely does. Uh, because uh, he Rocky can't do it. And he, he doesn't have Mick anymore. So Clubber Lang is like, I'll teach you how. At least I'm pretty sure. Maybe I misremember. It's been like I, I don't think it is. Because I think it's like Apollo's. Because Apollo die, uh, spoiler. Apollo dies in four, um, and when he dies, I think it's his trainer who becomes Rocky's trainer. Are you sure? I felt like I am I like ninety nine percent sure it, that. All right. I'll let me let me look it up real quick. Yeah, listen, I went through a Rocky phase when I was like thirteen or fourteen, so I'm not a hundred percent. Uh, it is. Tony Duke Evers, uh, who is Apollo's father figure, friend, trainer, and manager. Really? Yeah. Oh, God, I just misremembered that for years. In my head, I was like, yes, Clubber Lang was the one who trained Rocky to, to fight the Russian. Yeah, I think it only happens with Apollo, because he fights Clubber Lang in three, he fights the Russian in four, in five, he fights Tommy Gunn, and then in six, he fights this dude who had this really shitty name. Oh, my God, what was his name? 
I was reading it. Um, who does Rocky fight in Rocky Six? Oh yeah, Mason Dixon. Mason Dixon. Oh my and god, he's, he's literally like, fighting racism. Yeah. Well, here's the funny part: oh the boxer's god. black. He's what? a hothead. He's a hothead young boxer named Mason Dixon. The fuck? Because like, all right. The thing was that like every movie he fights like another form of like a social problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is that is true. Isn't one poverty technically? Yeah. One is yeah, poverty. I know fights, four is communism. Yeah, he fights communism slash the Cold War. He ends communism with <laughs> a boxing match. You can Speaking change. about punching communism. Oh, yeah, you can change. What, wait, oh, what man, I know so many quotes from that movie. Like, there's that one part where Adrian's yelling at him because he's, he wants to fight the Russian. She doesn't want to. She's like, you don't understand, Rocky. You can't win. You can't win. He's like, no, I gotta do this for Merca and Apollo. Now, now, Nick, did you have something you wanted to say about punching communism? Um, what's your favorite <laughs> thing to do as a Dean D adventuring party? Punching communism, ending tyranny, and taking down unjust rulers. I actually establish communism when I play. Whoa. You know how often that happens in DT games? <laughs> Communism gets established. It happens. So is that kind of like what? Um, is that kind of what you wanted to talk about? Favorite things to do in like D and D? Not at all. But I figured it was some sort of D and D segue. <laughs> I like segues. How do you spec out a segue in D and D? Oh, you give it a dragon wormling stats because segues are. Totally cool and not lame like they are in real life. Why don't you use the stat blocks that people made for combat wheelchairs? Uh, combat wheelchairs are based. Yeah, they are. They're fucking awesome. Combat wheelchairs are epic. We yeah. stand. Another official stance of the government love bot is that we stand combat wheelchairs. Yeah, that's an awesome thing for D&D. I, I really like that stuff. I yeah, hope that idea. they do more. Um, well, you might have your hopes partially shattered because the things D&D is doing do not seem to have anything to do with combat wheelchairs. Fuck. Damn as it. We, as we briefly discussed, we talked about the, the D&D movie and how that just turned out overall great. But that came out hot on the heels of what is seemingly known as the OGL fiasco. Um... Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro attempted to uh, change up their original gaming license. Yes. Um, which allowed a lot of small content creators or just content creators in general to make third-party D&D things like um, homebrew books that are, that are released, uh, make shows and podcasts online. And they went and uh, effectively tried changing that under everybody's nose until it got leaked. Uh, and kind of, kind of was a wild ride. Um, one quote I want to point out, not to like cause heat or anger, though it definitely inspired a lot of anger in the D and D community. But I find funny, like after the fact that they could just say that after everybody started canceling their D and D Beyond subscriptions and essentially boycotting D and D, 
they release the thing saying that it's been changed, etc., etc. They take more pull from people. And then right towards the end, they're like, people may say they won, but they won. And so did we. And it was oh just... Oh my god. <laughs> it was just this... Rude, like, big dick energy of Wizards of the Coast to be like, yeah, we just lost so much money, but we won too! Yeah! It's like, mm, I don't know about you that You don't one. understand, Wizards of the Coast. You can't win! <laughs> <laughs> so, after after all that, because just gonna keep that brief, uh, that was months ago, don't really want to take it up too much, but after that they released, or sent emails out to a bunch of D&D content creators, large and small, inviting them to a content creator summit, where they would uh, seemingly give people a chance to ask about all the OGL stuff, and like, what was going on? And it wasn't that. It actually, uh, from things that I've seen, uh, there there haven't been, like, like just breakdowns or videos released, because I, I hear that things were recorded, but I don't know if they can release those I'd have to go watch a, a video about somebody receiving the email. Um, but they basically just did like a whole corporate presentation. Instead of a summit where they'd invite everybody to be like, hey, yo, let's talk about where that kind of missteps were taken and how we and you guys want to try to move forward to keep our community and game and everything alive. It was more like, all right, guys. Look at this virtual tabletop we're working on. Look at this Minecraft Dungeons and Dragons. And it, it, it kind of got a lot of the content creators uh, pretty salty. Um, I was watching videos from Indestructo Guy, uh, Treant Gaming. There is a Dungeon Dad appeared briefly on Indestructo Gaming's, uh, no, Indestructo Guy's uh, video. And they're they're talking about it. it. Got it got pretty heated. But now I want to like I want to talk with you guys. D and D is a widespread thing. It's like a a cultural phenomenon right now. Tabletop RPGs in general, after the OGL, but like Dungeons and Dragons is still like the mainstream thing. If you were to imagine. D&D trying to salvage this situation and push forward and, like, really be like, ah, shit, fucked up. Maybe, maybe we should try to fix that. Would your thoughts immediately be Minecraft, Dungeons & Dragons, as nifty as that could be? No. Alright, so if I was Wizards of the Coast, I... You know, I would. My first thought would probably be to pivot towards finding a new way to profit. Well, it seems probably... like definitely what they're doing with like virtual tabletop, D and D Minecraft. Uh, there's gonna be a documentary by Joe Manganello, uh, covering the like cultural phenomena that is Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I mean, like, so, so, like, I, I, I think that this is their way of turning around and being like well shit the licensing thing didn't work how are we going to fix this well we'll develop some, a platform that people will want to use for Dungeons and Dragons or we'll like we'll push it push it push it to try to get people to play 
Because I, I, on one hand, I understand that, like, it's hard to profit off a TTRPG. Like, because it's a game you play in your head. You never need to, like, do much more. You never really need to buy a whole lot more. Well, especially you know I mean? since, like, the, the days of the internet and whatnot, you can get a lot of, like, info and sources to play the game entirely free. Now, definitely encourage going to your friendly local game store or supporting the other TTRPGs out there like Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, smaller ones such as Straight to VHS. But, like, you can find a lot of that info for free if you just look around. Yeah, that's that's definitely the other thing is that, like, uh, you know, even when you go to the D&D Beyond website, think the basic rules are still just free like you just have them you know what i mean i think i think the problem too is that wizards of the coast keeps kind of stepping on their own tail when they're trying to like make things like when they they're trying to like especially with trying to improve the game i feel like that's one thing that they're kind of struggling with because they keep trying to like change stuff about the game and in doing so, they kind of make themselves look worse. For instance, uh, here's a weird domino effect. Let me tell you about how uh, D&D changing a rule led to me watching Spy Kids 3D. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, okay, then. Well, this kind of ties into Wizards of the Coast here, and it, it, I, so it's not too off topic. But, um, like, they want to portray their game as being like more inclusive and a lot of that has to do with like trying to play around with like the race system in the games and specifically the one thing that they want to do is shift to like a thing where like you basically instead of making your character like a, a specific race you uh kind of build like a family tree for them in a sense yeah like a custom links yeah but um it, the this one guy from Wizards of the Coast basically explained why they're doing that is because he thinks that the like calling something a half race or a half something is like inherently racist, which is like really strange considering like people like people who are mixed race do call themselves half something and half another thing. And uh, my friend sent this meme where it was like. <laughs> where he said Wizards of the Coast really just went, and then it's a picture of Sylvester Stallone from Spy Kids 3D, and his finger is like pointing out of the screen because it's 3D, and it says mixed race couple detected. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I <laughs> because that's what like they this. did. They were just like, oh, mixed <laughs> like half races. Ain't no way that's being allowed here. It's like what? Um, and in case you're wondering. I then found out that my friend who sent that meme had never seen that movie, and we ended up watching that movie. Um, <laughs> Understand. But yeah, but yeah, I think that's a lot of it, though, is that Wizards of the Coast, like, I feel like they could make money if they just stopped tripping over their own feet trying to reinvent the wheel. Like, instead of trying to change your race system to be more inclusive and all that stuff, and accidentally causing Sylvester Stallone to detect mixed race couples or whatever. Um, like, why don't they work on, you know, doing, like, these outside revenue things like the movie and like, um, 
at like releasing more of those like books and stuff that people get and those like uh kits or whatever for it and like those mini those little mini things that people make or that people buy from like this hot from like the stores or whatever because i think one thing is like i feel like the physical aspects of D are just like i don't know i feel like they're not being capitalized on in the way that they should be mm-hmm. like i feel like D's not um like I, I don't know like they don't give me any reason to want to go out and get those minis or go out and get those books uh, you know, because I feel like they're not going to tell me anything that I don't already know kind of deal, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I definitely get that. And um, I just want to say that the, the the movie, the D&D movie actually, I think, does the thing that they wanted to do. Because I'll tell you what, I had to stop at a Target on my way home and I really almost did buy a, buy a D&D book in that Target. I saw it and I was like, okay, maybe I kind of do want that book. Yeah, so like, I, I I told my friend it, it sold me on the like default lore of D and D. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Tyler, or I'm sorry, Nick. Did you want to say something? I was yeah. saying should have, especially because Fizzbands. I think it was actually. Fizzbands um, Treasury of Dragons is fucking the best book because it's just all about dragons. And what is D and D without dragons? I forgot oh, dragon the chubby stand. dragon. I, oh my oh, god! Spoilers! 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 That was no, shown in the, in the trailers. trailers. He's in the okay, trailers. Okay, in the trailers. All right, they all right. may have shown a little bit too much in the trailers. I love yeah. the dragon. I, I didn't Chubby see dragon. any of the trailers because I didn't want to spoil. I loved him. His name is like Thermbachard or something, <laughs> and my friend started calling him Thermbachad. Thermbachad. <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's Therm something or Them something, but it ends in like a word that sounds like Chad. So that's like, like Thermachad or some shit. Thermachad. He's great though. Uh and I think that D D should also capitalize on like making like an established like established characters within the world. Like like that movie established four like four basically player characters and like some like other side characters and stuff that I think that people can now include in their campaign. Like all the main cast can be characters in their campaigns and uh the you know paladin guy and uh the chubby dragon well the chubby dragon already existed but point is chubby dragon um, should be canon in everybody's campaign exactly but like there for instance there will always be at least w- one fat dragon exactly but like for instance in um the D&D campaign I do with one of my friends he he literally said like the second we got out of the movie he's like I'm going to put Chris Pine's character in my in my campaign <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna add a Chris Pine jump scare. Chris Pine jump scare. <laughs> but like I, I think that that's cool. I like when they I want them to make more established characters. Cause then it like then it makes creating a character even cooler. It's like cool, my character gets to meet the pretty druid lady, or my character gets to meet uh famous actor Chris Pine. Yeah, uh I, I really think that they should, since the, the movie just came out, definitely capitalize on that. And uh, give people the stats for those characters. Make minis. That does. There, they did. There are, they there did. Are okay, they already did it. Figures and minis, and they have actually Magic the Gathering cards, too. Um, there's stat blocks for them, um, for all the main characters, plus uh, the wizard, the, the, one of the wizard characters, um, spoiler villain wizard, um, 
there's a stat block for them. And then there's also stat blocks for um, some of the weapons from the game. So there's like a couple magic items that I'm not going to spoil that have um, that have stat blocks now, as well as uh, the the loot, the guitar thing that Chris Pine uses. Yo, um, the fact that he was just a bard was amazing. Yeah, yeah the the lead is a bard. Perfect. Perfect. As a bard lover. Perfect. I actually have right now from where I am sitting, I have a framed, uh, like a framed piece of art of my first D and D character who is a bard. Um, I can see it from here. I'm a professional bard, um, in that I love music and I'm always trying to bang dragons. So I, you know, I definitely felt very seen by his character. Um, okay, I was not anticipating that one. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa! Maybe that's what maybe that's what Wizards of the Coast need to do. They need to invest in body pillows of the dragons. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's hey. Jokes you, aside, those would probably sell. They would. They would. <laughs> I've I've been Ginormous places on the internet those. where they sell those. <laughs> I'm sorry you have to find out, but yeah, they they sorry would you sell. had to find out this way. I'm sorry you had to find out this way. I'm sorry I had to find out that way. But there's a reason that people call the the Monster Manual the waifu catalog. Like That's funny. <laughs> the waifu well, catalog. <laughs> well, overall, I mean I think that that mostly covers like what you wanted to ask what you guys would really do. And it seems like you sort of agree with the kind of route Wizards of the Coast is taking somewhat? Uh, listen, from from a personal perspective, I do not. I think that a lot of their business has been very shady the last few months slash years. Uh, but from like a business perspective, I understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. it. It seems like they've definitely built kind of an empire of sand here and they understand that like, you know, they're not profiting enough to pay for the the spectacle they're trying to put on uh and that you know that's just that, that's just how business works a lot honestly you know, like, i partially like i don't know any exact numbers so so don't don't take my words as like 100 percent fact i'm pretty sure wizard of the coast and hasbro are doing pretty fine with funds overall like i also believe that's true especially with the recent the recent odyssey of D&D in the mainstream in, like, the current world. Like, I would understand if this was, like, pre-Fi, pre-Dimension uh, 20, Critical Role, Mad Pod, Three Black Halflings, all these dozens, hundreds of other uh, D&D shows and podcasts, some large, some small. Trials would... and trebuchets. Shout out to Sarah Zeb. Dungeons mm. and Daddies. But, like, I would, I, I would argue that, like, before... Before, like, that time. Before 2015 or whenever Dimension 20 started. Before that kind of, like, blow up. Yeah, I'd, I'd get if if the Wizards of the Coast was really, like, well, we gotta, gotta somehow make money somehow. We're still not doing the thing. Like, overall, uh, D&D was created as, like, a passion, a game to play, a thing to just enjoy. And then it was bought out. So, kind of take that with a grain of salt in itself, is it really supposed to entirely be a monetized experience? I don't know. Um, 
but like nowadays they they definitely have a lot because just look at one the one of the biggest ones fucking critical role they have tens of millions of of subscribers of people that watch them people that watch them and then go oh my god i want to play D like that we won't discuss the effect of watching live voice actors uh play dungeons and dragons but there's there's a ton of people that just see here watch that and go i want to do that too i want to be cool and it really like i feel like it was just a lot of especially the ogl was which is a coast realizing how popular dnd had gotten and wanting a bigger slice of the cake than what they had said they would take the entire time see all right so so i i don't mean to cut you off here but how on one dare hand... you no i'm kidding <laughs> sorry no uh yeah i dare though i dare you're gonna <laughs> no please on one hand i i i think i i agree that there is some amount of like corporate greed going on here and that it's just a it, it's just a a, cra- a cash grab you know they're, they're trying to grab as much money as they can from it but on the other hand though like yeah D has become this big cultural phenomenon in a lot of ways and you know it's it's kind of become like a cultural staple even in a lot of ways but i mean how many people go out buy the starter kit which is a great a great way a great place to start uh and then never buy another D book it's probably more than you'd think and uh, I, I just think that, you know, yeah, they make that 20 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever it costs now, but then they don't make any more money from that. So I, I, I do, on one hand, I, I definitely think that there is some amount of like, well, how much, how, how big of a slice of pie can I take? And, but I also think, you know, part of this is just, you know, it, it's hard to profit from this. You know, a lot of this stuff is available for free, like we said. And I think that it's a matter of, you know, how could, because I mean, think about all the books they produced in the last few years. You know, they have this movie now, which I'm sure cost quite a bit of money. They're developing this new, this new uh, Minecraft D&D or whatever it is. Virtual tabletop. Virtual tabletop. Oh, oh yeah. Um, you know, that's got to cost some amount of money. And I wouldn't worry that, too much about the movie. That made its money back plus some. Yeah, you have and, to. You have to think it was probably a gamble, though, right? Like, oh, he was definitely. A oh, gamble. definitely looking at like previous D and D movies, but like a lot of this stuff kind of pops up from the cultural like blow up. the The fact that they are so popular and so big, and D and D is not just a game that uh people say is for demon worshippers, but is like a thing that you could bump into plenty of people just on the street they're like yeah i play dnd or yeah i watch this or this show based off dnd or i watch this pod listen to this podcast and it's really like with without the blow up i don't think they could have looked at minecraft and mojang and microsoft and gone hey guys do you want to work with us to a make a virtual tabletop and b also do like a whole minecraft collab because we've had a lot of people make Dungeons and Dragons mod for for Minecraft. Let's just do it ourselves because we could profit off of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I feel like without like 
even even if they were smaller and they tried taking these big these like inferior big risks, I don't think they would have even like gotten half as far without being as big as it is. Yeah. And I could see them like I think a good way to monetize too is like have the basic rules and stuff, you know, kinda be uh kinda be, you know, available for free. But I don't know, maybe like and like I don't know how well this would work, but like maybe like monetize certain bits of the content. Like maybe like make specific content that like you that people can pay to use like I don't know, like if they make the the like the, the like they made that new race rabbit folk or whatever. Like the funny the funny bunny. The yeah, like we'd be like, oh hey, you know, pay like I don't know, five dollars and we'll let you use this or whatever, which you know, like I don't know. I it's feel just like, like it becomes microtransaction, and I honestly yeah, see, would probably like, that's, step that's back the more problem is like if I had to pay for individual races and class subclasses and stuff. That yeah, like, see, that's mm. the, that's the problem with it. Though. You know, that's the problem that I was thinking that like you bring up a good point. Like that's the problem with it is like that's a good way to make money, but like. Is that like that's not healthy for the game? Because one of the biggest things with D and D is it's accessible, and it's like I don't know. It's that that it's it's a difficult thing. Well, I'll, I'll uh, briefly let's take a look at um like Pathfinder. Pathfinder has a lot of their stuff up. Like they have character creator ac- character creator access to books and almost all of the source material for free. It's, it's the archive of Nethys. Um, you can go and you can look up on all that. It'll lead you to a character creator where you can make a Pathfinder character. But yet, they're still trucking along fine. And they are some of, like, the... Uh, what is the governor's name? I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna... I'm gonna type while I'm thinking. But, like, they're kind of some of, like, the biggest advocators for the whole, like, what is going on? Why is third-party stuff being... Uh, shut down let's let's now make it so we can all gather together and uh i think it's called orc um original nope i don't remember that either it was called the acronym i feel really i feel really like disconnected when it comes to like how wizards of the coast like like the whole business side of things because like i'm just kind of like a like as much as I I talk about it and stuff, I like I'm I'm mostly just like a player in it. Like I feel like I, I'm like di- I'm not I'm like disconnected from it more than like say you are Nick. So I think it's one of those things where it's like man, it's hard to like. I don't fully understand the scope of like making money in TTRPGs. You know, like I don't fully understand how they go about making their money or how they can go about like improving their business. Like I can come up with ways that, like, video games do it, but, like, video games and tabletop RPGs are different. Like, in video games, paying $5 for classes and stuff is BS, but it's much more accepted than it is in tabletop RPGs. So it's like, I don't know, it's 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 a difficult, uh, it's it's a, it's a interesting and difficult topic to discuss because I feel like there's not a right answer. There's just a, what's what's the best thing we can do? Fair enough, fair enough. And also, that's partially, like, why I want to bring it up, because, like, I'm somebody that, that follows a lot of this stuff, and I, like, live D&D, tabletop RPGs, f- fantasy and fiction. Like, I obsess over that type of stuff. So I, I naturally watch a lot of the stuff and keep up to date, and, like, I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know about all that. 
but as like a as a person that enjoys the scene, but is just kind of like, all right, I play this game, and that's that. Uh, it's it's nifty to see like the thoughts of like hearing about this. Honestly, if you haven't seen it, I'd say check it out. The virtual tabletop. It looks really good. And like Minecraft Dungeons and Dragons, like all these ways of them getting out there, it just like being being somebody that's like somewhat on the sidelines and seeing it and just being like, Oh, that's that's nifty. I like that. And being somebody that's like in depth looking at it like, ah, oh, they just tried to screw so many people over. Now they wanna make D and D Minecraft. It is it's definitely an interesting like viewpoint for it. Not to mention one difficult thing too is that D and D, uh, like especially like especially D and D, is that it uh promotes homebrew a lot. So mm-hmm. like, it's it's hard to like monetize because it it's like if somebody doesn't want to pay, they can just make up their own shit. Like, for instance, in all the D and D campaigns I play, I made up a whole like race specifically that I play, like a whole like specific uh fantasy race or whatever that i use for my characters it's like that's not something that dungeons and dragons made i made that all on my own you know my, yeah that's you know, like I part worked of out the, the statics of, of all on my own of D&D, though. that's like the whole purpose because it's not a video game it's not something that's presented in a a straightforward this is concrete this is what we made and this is what you're enjoying it's basically playing with your imagination with rules and things to structure it, so you're not twelve year olding. Uh, you cast fireball. I cast ultra fire resistance, and I heal for your fireball. It it really is just you're you're kind of living in in your own worlds that you and your friends and different shows and people create. There's there's no clear distinct visual of it, except for Critical Role because they're wild. Matt Mercer lives in my head rent free. As he should. As he should. Matt Mercer's pretty great. Yeah, he definitely is. And I, honestly, before before I'm like wrapping this up, one thing, just D D community is is so great that it's kind of wild to try to like the ori- almost originator of the community, like the game itself, tried to like lash out and smack him when just have so much greatness of the D. There's definitely toxic people, but like mm-hmm. the overall, like when you look at the D and D community, the people that you see are going to be people like Abria Iyengar, Matt Mercer, fucking Brennan Lee Mulligan, Brennan Lee Mulligan, uh, Matt fucking... Mercer again, and Matt Matt Mercer again, Emily Axford. I'm trying to remember people's names from Three Black Halflings because they're just Matt so, Mercer so great. a third time. <laughs> Matt Mercer a third time. But you just see all of these absolutely like wonderful people that not only play a mean D and D game and do a great show of it, but are just so goddamn wholesome. Like why would yeah. you why would you want to punish? D and D is literally D and D. Every D and D campaign is found family. It's this. It, it works every time. It's it's classic and it works. I love it. Damn straight. Damn straight. Damn straight. Now, speaking of every D&D game, I hear we all have some wacky, zany characters. Like, you were talking about Chris Pines earlier. Pretty sure D D has something that they've been been wanting to share. Their own kind of wacky 
D&D character. Okay. All right. So, so to preface this, I want to I want to tell a little story. Um I like music. I like a lot of different kinds of music. Um but I try to have a very like large uh library of music to pull from. And uh people kept recommending this band called The Smiths to me. It's a, it's it's actually a fairly popular band. A lot of people have heard of them. Um there's they've got a very large fan base. Uh but I had never I just never really taken the time to sit down and, and listen to any of their stuff. And I I put on their album, The Queen is Dead, uh on my way home from my 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 other job not that long ago. And that night we had gotten hit by this like really just wildly bizarre like the weather had been so nice leading up to it. And then we just got hit so hard with this storm. And um I I I was I was driving down my like my normal route home and a town that I have to go through to get home had uh like a power outage. And as I was making my way into this town, a song called There Is a Light That Never Goes Out came on. Um, and let me, uh, let me pull up the lyrics so I can, so I can read these out loud to you. Uh, I, I, I'll cut right to the, uh, the, the, the part that, that really started to hit as I was making my way into like the, the, the snow uh blizzard and the darkness of the town and if a double decker bus crashes into us to die by your side is such a heavenly way to die and if a 10 ton truck kills the both of us to die by your side well the pleasure the privilege is mine uh so naturally you know uh, a sort of unholy experience like that cements a band into your brain cavity and uh sticks with you quite a bit so uh fr- from from then i i had sort of been like minorly obsessed with the smiths and then i started to like learn some things about the lead singer slash lyricist or i guess you could call him a, a vocalist um morrissey now he's a pretty like chaotic guy and my first thought was how chaotic and is he chaotic good chaotic neutral or chaotic evil uh and then my second thought was what if he was a player character in D D? <laughs> okay okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna go through a, a list of morrissey things here and then we're going to, just so you have like an understanding of what kind of a person he is before we, before we break into the character that I have uh, built around him. Okay. All right. So here's a, here's a good Morrissey thing followed by like a bad Morrissey thing. You ready? <laughs> Let's play good, good Morrissey, idea, bad, bad idea. All right. He's an animal rights activist to the point of being a vegan. Okay. 
He once said that the burning meat he smelled had better be human. Okay. Right. okay that, that might be a little bit too extreme. Might be, okay. might be already oh tipping into chaotic evil. Gotta, not okay. gonna lie. Okay, it's, all right. It's okay. like some evil druid type shit. So some of these are pretty like naturally related. Some of them aren't really related, but make you go, "Whoa!" All right, you ready? He's an anti-monarchist. Okay, so he he's he leans towards being like, uh, very like anti-authoritarian. Uh, he once called COVID convid and said that it was a con. Oh, Jesus. Okay. He, uh, he, at one point in time, or at, at two different points in time, had criticized both Presidents Trump and Bush for some of their policies, uh, ideas, and reactions to things. Oh, no. He criticized Trump. So much that he had to be questioned by the Secret Service. Okay, okay, good ending. I thought that was good. I thought that was about to end really badly. <laughs> Hang on, it's gonna go places. He <laughs> oh, thinks no. that he thinks that forced poverty is slavery, based. Uh, okay. He and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the word allegedly on this just to protect us, but read it how you will. He allegedly associates with far right and nationalist groups damn it we were so close i know i know we were uh he allegedly has, allegedly <laughs> allegedly he has praised both barack obama and bernie sanders okay all right so this is this is my last one here all right so that was the last really like all right cool all right we're, we're all right he once called chinese people a subspecies Chaotic evil. Okay. Whoa! Chaotic evil. Chaotic evil. You, right. See, before before you said that one, I was like, at best, he's chaotic neutral. Like, he still had a minor <laughs> spectrum at the very best chaotic neutral. But nah. Chaotic evil. This guy is a menace to society. And that, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And that's I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. He's like, he does so many, he says and does so many things that make you go, okay. Like, all right, he seems like he's probably, like, a little weird, but he's mostly cool, right? But then you're just like, what the fuck, dude? Why'd you have to say that? Like, whoa! Goddamn! Why did, why and how did you do that? He, I mean, all right, to to be fair, he has mentioned before that he thinks his mouth gets him in trouble a lot. Um, <laughs> Understatement. He he also has a song that's called Big Mouth Strikes Back or Big Mouth Strikes Again, which is pretty much about how like he is he he gets himself into a lot of trouble. Um. So 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 I working with that uh, thought about the kind of character he would naturally be. Right. Okay. All right, so let's let's start with his race or species is I guess what we're moving towards. Um, I it took me a while to like think about this one. Um, because you know, on one hand, like you don't really want to say, okay, well, he 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 said and done some bad things, therefore he's uh you know a race that was at one point in time in the game considered to be bad or evil or whatever. But on the other hand, like, you know, it's it's easy to not want to trust him. 
You know what I mean? The, you know, the lore of the world would suggest, like, ooh, maybe don't trust a lot of the things he says and does. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, I get you. Uh, so I figured Tiefling was okay. was uh, was was the the race or species that fit him best. Uh, now I want some input on this. So if you can, so if if you see any flaws in my logic, or if you see anything that you think doesn't quite work or would be better suited somewhere else, let, definitely let me know. Tell All me. right. Well, where I feel a lot of tiefling just lore and stories and like some of the best tiefling stories not that there are some evil ones and some, but like a lot of tieflings are just kind of like misunderstood they're like ah you've got horns and a tail like the Demon! movie and it's like did you say like the b movie oh like the d movie no, yep my bad but yeah there's kind of like, like the b movie <laughs> i was like what like the <laughs> but like a lot of a lot of tieflings are pretty much just misunderstood they're just vibing uh their parent happened to either make a deal or bone or somewhere along the line get involved with some devil or demon some of that blood got mixed in and that's that's pretty much all that happened now from what i hear of this guy i would argue the drow because well there there are some some chill dark elves overall the drow aren't great people. Can't trust them. They they view some people as subspecies because they're, like, the worst of the kind of, like, badness of elves. Uh, like, just overall, in especially if we're looking at, like, uh, we just watched the movie. If we're looking at, like, Forgotten Realms lore. The Drow? 100%, I feel, fit this guy. No, but that no, is I do just have to my add, take. I do have to add, I was working out of the player's handbook. I, I own a physical hardcover copy of the player's handbook, and that's what I was using when I really sat down. Are there down. dark elves in there, or is it just high and wood elf? It's just high and wood elf in oh, the player's handbook. But lame. I do definitely understand where you're coming from when you say drow. I I, I get I get where you're going with this. Like like I I'd argue that um like dark elves and whatnot, like overall their lore should definitely go towards like a more just people seeming type uh like society. But you know, currently looking at them, they're they're just generally bad guys. Bad people. Not nice. Wanna take over things. Mm-hmm. Really really only held in check by the fact that they they square up with themselves, which kind of lines up with this dude where he's like, my own mouth gets me in trouble sometimes. It's like, well, you're the one saying it. I'll let Drow be like, my, this house is like, you're all part of the same kingdom. Why are you all killing each other? That is fair. I, I, I suppose when you when you give it a zoom back look like that, I I definitely get what you're saying. My thing was that like, you know, being misunderstood I definitely think that a lot of a lot of the problems that Morsi runs into come from things that he's done, but I also think that there's a bit of a general misunderstanding about the kind of person that he is to begin with cuz like he's a strange dude. He's a strange dude. Sound, sounds strange. Sounds uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like he for for a long time has been uh like like people have wanted to know about his uh his his sexuality 
because of some of his his lyrics and some of the things he said in the past. Uh, and he identifies as human sexual in that he's attracted to different types of humans. You know, not bisexual, not pansexual, not gay or straight, human sexual. So he's just like, if I'm being honest, kind of an odd fella. You know, like, no, hey, I, listen, I don't want, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to meet any lawyers anytime soon. He just seems to be a bit odd. Hmm. You understand fair what enough. I'm saying? Fair do enough, do I, sound, fair I probably sound a little crazy to anybody who is totally lost. No, in you're not crazy. Um, I've done this before, by the way. Turn a real person into a and d character. I've done this before. Uh, I think the next person I'd like to do is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, I'd love to do it. It's funny. Remember how I just mentioned earlier in this episode that I have a framed picture of a D&D character, my first one? They're the one that I based off a real person. I based them uh, off Addison Grace, who is my favorite musician. And uh, I made this character that like to be like very similar to them in a lot of ways. Their name is even... Uh, or, uh, the character's name is Addie, A-D-D-I-E, which is like a nickname people give Addison Grace. Um, of course, that character and Addison Grace are now incredibly different since like a couple years ago. But I've literally done this before where it's like trying to turn a person into a D&D character. And I'm going to be honest, part of me says that maybe he should just be human. That was another thing I definitely considered because, I mean... Lorewise humans, well, we get ourselves into some trouble in real life. I think that human would make the most sense because he, because what's stranger than a fantasy world with just this one human guy running around doing the most bizarre shit? That's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe I do flip this around and, and make him a human. Uh, I think we should move on to class for now, though, if that's all right with everybody. Okay. Works if for that's, me. If that uh, if if that uh, works, uh, how do you how how do you define this this kind of a person? Because I think the natural answer would be like, oh well, he's a musician, bard. No, but I don't. What's that now? He is animal activist to the point of saying that the meat he was smelling cooking would better be human. This motherfucker is a druid, one hundred percent. I did I did consider that, but like, you know. I, I think a lot of people associate uh, druids with being, like, kind of peaceful. Um, They're 100% bad druids. I know. I know that. I know that. I know that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Uh, but We're I, I am saying... All druids are bad. All oh, druids say? are bad. Adab. Adab. <laughs> all druids. <laughs> all druids are bad. I'm just kidding. We love you, druid. Druids are druid brothers and sisters. And people. Druidic yes. druid. But um, I get what you mean, but like honestly an an evil druid BBEG just sounds so cool. Ooh, that is Why a good not? Idea. Why I might why the heck not? I might have to look into different builds here. <laughs> uh, the the one that I ended up going with was sorcerer. A wild magic sorcerer. 
chaotic <laughs> gremlin energy. I get you. Yeah, you. All right. So you see what I mean? It's like you kind of just never know what's gonna happen. That was my thought process. I, fair enough. I don't. Enough. I I don't hate the druid, the druid line either though. I don't hate it. Honestly, for yeah. like overall, I'm basing the druid like when you first said that he's an intense animal rights activist. I was like, oh okay. But then you're like, he he said once that the meat he smelled burning better be human. He was like, this motherfucker's just an evil druid. That's all he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so also in terms of alignment, I mean, like, are are we going with chaotic evil? Chaotic I evil. I think I think at best he could be chaotic neutral, but I'm 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 gonna say. I was gonna lean towards chaotic neutral because I don't think he's just straight up evil because he's got some points in there that's like, man, you kind of got a good point. It's just you're going about it in the most insane that is exactly way you could possibly what being evil with. is in a D and D setting. I guess uh, so. Neutral neutral is caring more about yourself and the people around you. Uh, chaotic like evil would be like. You're you're just generally even if your intentions are good, what you're doing, what you're saying, and what you're being is entirely different. So, being an animal rights activist, that sounds all well and good. I'm I'm using this one because this is one of the most wild. But same for like the the last example. But as soon as you're like, man, it's better be people that I'm smelling cooking. Like that's that's evil. Um, do you smell the what the rock part? is cooking? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Oh um, no. What was the good part for the last one? Because the second one was that he viewed Asian people as a subspecies. That's evil, guys. That's not well, like no, no. Oh, on, whoa, whoa, on, whoa! I never on, said it on. wasn't. That's evil. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, take a second, take a second. Uh, the 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 base thing he did was he he praised Barack Obama and Bernie Sanders. Although he did, uh, he he did later criticize Barack Obama for some th- for some things. And whether or not you want to get into, like, whether or not, you know, he was right for doing so is up to you and your personal politics. But he had said that uh, the treatment of animals in China made you think that Chinese people were a subspecies. Allegedly. Please don't sue us. This man is an evil, evil druid. I can't. I don't know. I'd lean towards that being. I don't know. You know what? Maybe, you know. It's I'm a fucked up right, thing to say either right. way. So, I'd like to so clarify, just, it is a fucked up thing to say either oh, way. Oh, for sure. For let's, sure up. let's put this in the context of you're now an adventuring party. You're an adventuring duo, and you're wandering the land. But he doesn't seem like a wait, villain. Wait, wait, like, he doesn't wait. seem like a straight up villain. He seems like a misunderstood, like, extremist. Yeah, he wouldn't be like the the big bad evil guy. You know what I mean? Like, No, he'd be like a guy. Um, he'd be like that. What's that one episode of Avatar duo. where that guy's going to, like, destroy a dam? For because he wants to, uh, Jet's a bad guy. Jet's a yeah, bad but like, guy. But like, he's not, yeah, but like, they're whoa, not whoa, whoa, doing whoa. it purely because they're like villainous, evil, like chaotic, evil, like monsters. They're it. doing it because they think that's the way to accomplish their goals. That is exactly, I just feel like there's a, di- I, I, feel I feel like, feel like there's like more of a exactly distance what there. The bad guy is, though, is like in, well, in the real world, there's like a moral gray to like everything, and for a lot of these, that's kind of the situation, but like. You take a look at a single villain. Let's take let's take uh, from Avatar: Last Airbender. Not um actually that one, but Legend of Korra, Kuvira. Kuvira was had had uh like ideals and like had had a general okay idea about doing things, but she was a bad guy. 
because she was being a dictator. It's just because just because you have pure or good intentions or like you have some some qualities that are like, yeah, they might truly deserve to do this or be the ones for the job. As soon as you start sliding down that hole of doing all the fucked up shit, i.e. saying that a entire uh, broad basis of people that breaks down into dozens of nationalities, hundreds of nationalities, is like a subspecies of people. And that meat is like like that that's 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 bad stuff. That's that's when the person is a villain. They yeah, might be they might yeah, be one of the don't villains think, that like But you don't think that there's that there's like a moral gray there where it's like even though like yes, he's clearly doing incredibly villainous things, the reason he's doing them is di- like he's not just trying to destroy the world because, you know, fuck it, cause chaos joker style, but he's trying to prove like he's trying to push his message. He's just doing it in the wrong way. Like you don't think that there's any gray there. That's the that that's exactly what makes it the the more interesting, far better type of evil, because it's a moral gray. Because there's like if you if you're in close with them or if you listen, hear them out, the things that they preach and say and want to do and claim sound good. It sounds like they're doing the right things, but as soon as it's put into act, and it's not. That's 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 what makes for me an interesting villain, and why it's like far better than just the crazy uh, Joker guy. That's just I want to cause chaos and destroy everything. Like that's boring for me. I like the villains that are okay. They they like animals a lot. We're gonna keep running with this guy. They they like to they want to protect the environment, the world. But people don't necessarily fall into that environment and world, so, you know, they kind of want to change how people act, do, or get rid of them in some form or basis or way. It's like, that's interesting. That's good. That's, like, good writing for me. That's makes me empathize, but also it's, like, also realize that, like, you could have good intentions. You could have a tragic backstory that pushed you to lead uh, to this line of thought. You could have had some some event or circumstance lead you to this kind of extremist thinking, but you, you, you went too far. It's like a, a, I don't like Azula. There are a lot of people that think Azula should get uh, like a redemption arc from Avatar Last Airbender. Azula does not deserve a redemption arc because she's far more interesting being the character she is, being the bad guy. Even though, you know, she was, you know, arguably the other side of um, torment, abuse than Zuko under her father's wing. Her mother didn't like her and she has a tragic backstory and she went crazy. I don't feel like she deserves a redemption arc because it's far more interesting than going, okay, Azula... You did all of these, all of these things, but you're you're fucked up about. You were fucked up, so we're gonna give you all the second chances, even though you advocated for genocide. I uh, I I don't think she deserves a redemption arc. I do think that she deserves to go to therapy, though. Um. Oh, definitely, definitely. I don't know what you're sentenced in... to therapy. One hundred percent. I I don't know what happens in the uh new Fire Nation prison, but she does deserve that. Like. Not not even to get heated, but like I just, for me that's far better. I like that. It's it's better than just being like nah. They're just an extremely extremely ist good person, 
that uh, has taken some some wrong turns. So, so what you're saying is that he is that your view is that you can be evil but have good intentions. One hundred percent. That's that's like for me. I prefer those villains, like Kuvira, like or like having. I just saw this picture you sent, Tyler. This is de- derailed my train of thought. <laughs> you ruined the podcast, Tyler. <laughs> Smokescreen. Smokescreen. What is this picture? What was I saying? What it's a Snapchat saying? filter over my face. That's all it is. It's amazing. I love it, though. Um, but yeah, no, for, for me, like, I, I, I can't, like, sit here and fully be like, you can't! Do what you guys agree. We're we're a democracy. We're both. We're all parts of the government love bot. So no, it's I not. Think... I'm gonna give the Rick Grimes. Uh, this is not a democracy speech. <laughs> but like, if you guys feel he's better as a chaotic evil, that's fine. I just feel it's far more interesting and giving a villain that could be like, if this were to be made into a villain character or a character that were to be played, I feel like it'd be the villain you could empathize with in a way, but realize, oh, we've gone past the line in the sand. I think the important part here is chaotic. Chaotic is, we yeah. all agree on chaotic. There's no all right, so what, chaotic. Sure. What's next? What's the next part? No, no, wait, wait, wait. Really quick, I just want to add another dimension to this. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the, like, cracked homebrew alignment, uh, lawful chaotic. You have, like, a code. You have, uh, you know, like, a set of rules that you follow. But they're so just all over the place that nobody else can keep track of them. The I wild he, magic alignment. Yeah, like he would almost fit there. You know what I mean? Like he definitely has like standards and ideals and stuff like that. But it's just like, man, what? How are you going to be like an animal rights activist and also say some things that are like so bizarrely fucked up? Like way, way, way fucked up. You know what I mean? People are oh, animals yeah. too. Um, uh, but you know, like, I, I, I just thought that that was like an interesting thing to have to think about was like, where, where would he fit on the alignment? But, uh, you know, I suppose what would be next would be like rolling for stats. Now I have, I don't know if you guys can hear it over discord. The people at home could hear it. I, okay. I was shaking the bag of dice loudly by the microphone. Uh, pretend that I'm rolling. I'm using standard array. So so going based off standard array, uh our our highest number here is a 17. Um wh- where would you guys place this in your standard in your standard table? Cuz oh I put it in charisma. Because he's like like if you listen to his work, you can tell that he's like a pretty talented lyricist, and talented singer. You know what I mean? And that was my idea. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Like, okay, but what about all the, the bad stuff he did? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, well, honestly, especially for going, like, sorcerer out, charisma makes sense for being a musician, but also for class. Now, if we were, if we were to go druid route, I would want, want, just for the sake of building a character, to say Wisdom, because that's a Druid spellcasting modifier. 
However, this dude does not sound. He's not very wise. Well, that that's where I was going. Is that the eight? The dump stat is wisdom on my sheet here. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) That that makes sense. That makes sense. You know. Oh. You know, like like uh, like hey, don't sue us, but doesn't seem like a very wise, wise guy. You know what I mean? For sure. He goes out of his way to sue government love bot. I'm checking out. What an amazing, what an amazing situation we would be put in in that scenario. We are us chuckle fucks have to go to court against Morrissey. (laughs) Got 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 a dude with ten million plus active active listeners every month. To with uh, our twelve our our, our teeny tiny three person (laughs) podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Just check out a life at that point. Like, where's the elevator? I gotta go up. Yeah, that's uh. It's time for me to dig a hole and get in it, but um, so so yeah, would would you agree that like, make make the make the high stat the seventeen charisma? I think that's it. I feel like that makes sense because charisma doesn't mean like you're a kind or good or wise person. Like con people totally have high charisma. Scam artists totally high. Charisma. Yeah, that was my train of thought. Was that like. Not that he's a scam artist or a con person, but that just yeah, like no, just just that like even even some of the worst like types of people could be high charisma, and that's kind of what enables like doing 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 the thing. Like he he made he made such popular music. He is charismatic to the point that people like his music and will listen enough to his words that we here at Government Love Bot can cover it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, so I think we're settled on charisma then. The next highest is a fifteen. Uh, now, if you look into a lot of his influences and uh, the, the types of, you know, literature and musical acts that really inspired some of his music, he's definitely he's like clearly a, a pretty well-read person. I don't think he's dumb. I think he's, I think he's pretty intelligent. So. I I, th- I think that his next highest stat should be intelligence, rightfully. Yeah, I'd say so. He seems pretty okay. like knowledgeable on certain aspects, even if he has dumb opinions about them. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, Nick, anything you want to add? Mm. Is is he? Does he? Do we know if he's like a clumsy person? Uh, I, I would say he's kind of clumsy with his words. That's what I was gonna say. That's that's separate. Nope, separate. Uh, clumsy like like. No, I as far as I'm aware, he's not. Okay, I'd say fifteen goes in. I just need to uh to to ask that clarify for me. Now, all right. So, so here's where we get tricky because you get some of your like middle of the road stats. You know what I mean? Um, so the next few numbers are a 13, a 12, and a 10, which are like slightly above average to average uh, in, in terms of what they mean for you. Um, I wasn't quite 100% sure on all of them, but I decided that I was going to give the 13 to Constitution. Uh, because it seems like he's maybe 
been through the ringer in a few ways. And so, you know, the fact that he's still got a career and is still going. Um, I would honestly, this is partially why I asked, I would say dexterity. Interesting. Yeah, because, all right, so so to jump ahead a little bit, dexterity is the next one. I have it at 12. So I think that... Oh, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I would say that these two are, like, kind of interchangeable, yeah? Yeah, I would, I would agree. Okay. That. All right. Tyler, anything you want to... I mean, honest, honestly, uh, I'm not really... All right. <laughs> you have no disagreements for me. Perfect. We're all in unison so far. Um, and then the ten I gave to strength, I have I have no idea how strong he is. You know what I mean? Like, fair enough. Probably probably fair average enough. strength. Um, and then finally, uh, an eight for standard array is the very lowest number. Wisdom. Absolutely. Yeah. No. He he's not wise. He's. Like he's clearly like he's clearly smart, he's clearly charismatic, but like, oh God, you said so many dumb things. Stop, like my dude. Stop, stop saying so stop. many dumb things. You know what I mean, like. But uh, all right. Like, why? Why? Looks like I, these are, none of these lessons you're trying. Did to you teach Google me here? I are related. I googled him because I wanted to see what he looked like in terms of like strength. Because I wanted to see if he looked like a guy who would have. What, what, what he looks like a guy who would be particularly strong or weak, and he just looks like Kramer from Seinfeld. Here, let me let me send a picture in the in the Discord. Either that Maybe, or Vanilla Ice. Take a gander at that. That's uh, that's the picture that I'm basing this. Get, I'm 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 basing him off of I guess current Morrissey, uh, even though a lot of yeah, some of his quotes I'd are definitely it. more recent. But like Morrissey in like 1983 or whatever. This is peak Morrissey. Peak Morrissey. At his absolute physical prime. Yeah, Morrissey at his prime. Prime Morrissey. Morrissey prime. There's a wrestler who goes by like W Morrissey. Are they related? Do you think? No, I know they're not. Um, he also changed his name, so now instead of being W. Morrissey, he's now Big Bill, which is one of the shittiest wrestling names I've ever heard. Big Bill? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds like the greatest wrestling name. Oh my god, it's so bad. He went I from think I big... met a guy in a bar named Bill once, but Big Bill once. He went He big went from Bill. Colin Cassidy to Big Cass to W. Morrissey to Big Bill. I'm just a Bill. I saw him in person, too. Is he big? Is his name Bill? Yeah, dude. He's seven feet tall. He's fucking huge. Holy shit. He's seven feet tall? Yeah. He's a, he's a big motherfucker. Okay, so he gets 17 for strength. I already know it. Or constitution. What are the other? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that's basically as far as I think we should probably go with this. Otherwise, it's, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of creating a character sheet. And that's the not fun part. Um, basically already dead. What level is he? Uh, I prefer to, to, to have characters start at level three. Cause it's cool enough, but also like, you're not the most powerful figure in the world at this point. Level one kind of fucking sucks. Fair enough. To be honest. <laughs> Yo, I eat level ones for breakfast. 
So are the other Smiths like his his party? Are you telling me that I need to spec out the rest of the band? No, 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 no not, not right now. Okay, small. okay, how, how about this, how about this? Just give me a quick, give me a quick class for the rest of the Smiths. Don't think about it, just give me a quick class for the rest of the Smiths. Oh man, I don't know them good enough. Alright, hang on, let me, let me, let me get a list of them out. Uh, Even if you just no, Google their think, names and say. be like, this dude sounds like he would be this. Like, okay, whatever, just all right. give me a quick. Okay, alright, alright, give, give me, give me just one second. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Uh, we already covered Morrissey. Johnny Marr is he is actually the Bard. Um. Andy Rourke is uh Paladin. Mike Joyce is a uh, fighter. And uh, I be- I believe Craig Gannon uh would be a cleric. That's the party. Cool. There we go. Sold. That's it. And then William William Moore William Morrissey. God damn it. Will- William- his his pr- he doesn't like it when you call him by his first name, so we're not gonna mention it. I respect it. Okay, we'll just go with Morrissey then. Uh, Morrissey then leads the party called the Smiths. The, oh no! Wait, it's medieval. You gotta call them the blacksmiths. The blacksmiths. Ah, yes. Oh fuck! Pretty good one. It's all coming together. I wish that I had thought of that. This is now your rival, uh, D and D adventuring party. That would be actually a really Congrats. good idea. If, like you ever did like a campaign, you could just sneak in the the smiths as like a rival party. That'd be pretty funny. I need to write that down. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) The Smiths. The Smiths. Rifle adventuring party. So yeah, so that's the so that's the Smiths in D and D. How about that? What the? That is a goofy and wild topic. Yeah, and it's also it's also funny because he was talking about like how they listen to like the Smiths and like hyper fixated on it. So let's talk about a hyperfixation of mine. Um, uh, let's talk about Persona again. <laughs> I I talk about it a lot. Bring it back. I talk about it a lot because I've been playing noticed. through them and it's like my hyperfixation, but it's it's our podcast and I'm going to talk about it if I want. Um, yeah, so guys, bad news. I found more Persona plays. I didn't cover them all. I thought I was free. You failed. I thought I was free, but I have been Googling, like, random things about the games, and I had just started Googling, like, clips from the stage play, because I find them incredibly funny to watch. And I was doing some Googling, and I had a thing, uh, an article open that said, here's a list of all the Persona plays, and I counted them. And I was like, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or whatever. And then I got down, I was like, wait a minute. This number's this number's not correct. Let me count this again. So I go again. One, two, three, four, five. Go all the way down. No, the number's still wrong. Okay, what the fuck? <laughs> what am I missing? So then I started looking into it. I'm like, what play am I missing? Well, surprise, surprise. Uh, Persona decided to do a stage play for a spinoff of the game, as well as the sequel to the spinoff. 
because the Persona 4 fighting games got got stage plays. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I wanted to cover them, but they don't fucking exist. They don't exist. I have Googled, like, extensively looking for clips, looking, like, scouring Mega 10 Wiki, looking for information. It's like it doesn't exist. All I can see is people talking about them being announced, but I can never find any sort of clips or in-depth information on them. Like, the only thing I know is that uh, some of the actors reprised their roles, some of the actors who were in the previous Persona plays, and that most of it was fight choreographies because it was a fight game, fighting game. But yeah, so th- there you go. trying to make stage plays about a fighting game. So... Yeah, right. So like that's what so then I came to like this this I became stumped because I was like there's no way like I have to mention this on the podcast. I can't just not I'm the persona play guy. I can't just not talk about these two persona plays that I found. So I decided that um I would just I decided that I would do like the best I could to find information on it. And I did not. I came up empty-handed. So I promised myself two things. That I would, A, make up for it by doing something that I will do at a later date. That I will not uh, spoil here. Um, And then, B, uh, I wanted to pose a question. And the question was, if you could make a different game into a musical stage play, what would it be? Okay, I've got my answer cocked and loaded. Are you ready? Okay. I have a game and a half. Bloodborne. Holy shit. <laughs> as as like a like a like a hard drama. Like borderline Shakespearean levels. Holy shit. Right? I I dig that. Doesn't that sound kind of fucking awesome? I'm on board. I love, I just, I want to see, like, Bloodborne, because, like, one of the funniest things about these Persona plays is watching these, like, scenes that you know of from the game, and then just somebody starts busting out singing. Like, like, it's also, like, like that's the funniest part about it. Like, one of the clips that I love, find that one of my favorite clips of the Persona plays is this one that you could find on YouTube under the video title, Junpei Does Some Radical Singing. And it's literally just the first boss of the game, but Junpei's just singing this fucking song over the over the battle, and it's just like the most insane thing. And I want to see some dude on stage combat rolling in a bloodborne fight <laughs> while singing. Now hang on. Sounds like because sounds like a horror play. Well, I mean, it's a horror game, so it's got to be like. It's gotta be like. It's definitely not a horror. Yes, it game. is. It's a Souls-like game. No. It's yeah, not. it is. It's a Souls-like. Yeah. No. It, well, yeah, just because. That's so, like saying Dark Souls is a horror game. I it's think not a Dark Souls game. could yeah, be conceived Soulsborne as a horror. Soulsborne isn't game. a genre. It's a type of game. Isn't that a exactly. Game? It, is, it is a genre now. Souls-like is one hundred percent. I think genre it's now. a clear. I think it's a classification of game. But here's why I want to say that Bloodborne is a horror game. Because it plays heavily on ideas established by H.P. Lovecraft. And those are horror stories. They're sci-fi horror stories. So, I, I don't think you can really look at the game as anything but... Google is Cat's name. name. 
don't look at, I look don't at do it that. like a souls like RPG because you've got stats and all the stuff, you got character building, you run around. Yeah, but just because it's an RPG doesn't mean do it's, dodge it's not also horror. It's not like a horror survival game. I feel personally, I feel like those are not too too mixable categories. What do you mean? You can have, you can have an horror games horror games lose so much of their tension as soon as you start making it so you can fight back and kill all the things yeah that's but supposed if to it's a, if it's a soulsborn like, if it's a soulsborn wouldn't that play well into it being horror because there's never a point in a soulsborn game where you can 100% fight back because it's difficult like that's the no, that's the entire point of Souls like Exactly. Games. So that, wouldn't it yeah, work? Would back. horror work with that genre? That, no, those no, that you, know, that you that you can fight back against listen, everything. Li- not that there's anything that you can't entirely fight listen, back against. All right. The whole point of Souls like games are that you encounter obstacles and you overcome it by learning, getting better, and uh, just building up. That's your the character. point of horror too. Like the entire idea. That's the point of a horror game. No, too. the point of a horror game is to get the scared. The point of a horror game is to be scared, but then and to escape. slowly overcome it, to work better so that you overcome it. Okay, okay, okay. We got, 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 I guys. think we've been playing entirely different horror. Look at Resident Evil. Look at Resident Evil. <laughs> Counter- right, Resident- okay. Resident Evil Five stage play the musical. No. Yeah. No. Stop it. Um, I want Chris like, to sing like, while punching a boulder. I know. I know. Resident Evil games are horror games. Like, they are the horror in the horror game genre. However, I don't view them as, like, a horror game because they're not inherently scary. You kill everything that's supposed to spook you. So That's it, though. I, I look at games like Outlast and Amnesia the Dark Descent, Soma, all the, the horror games where, like, the entire thing is you're going into a place like a dumbass or you're at some place like a dumbass and something goes wrong, or there's something spooky there, and your goal is to get the fuck out. You don't fight things in you, a true, you, like, fully horror. So you don't think you can fight game. back in a horror game? You don't think you should be able to fight back in a horror game? Not, in, not like a true horror game. Like as soon, I feel the Whack. tension and the scariness Whack. is lost as soon. Where's the tension? You're just gonna kill it anyway. But I, the, the, the scary thing is that you might not be able to kill it. Just like in it, just like in Soulsborne games, you never really get good at them. You only get better. There's always a chance even I, the lowest fucking enemies are gonna kill you in a couple hits, my dude. You, I, do you I'm here like to bang the table and demand pictures of Spider Man? Yes, I demand pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> the entire, <laughs> the entire like catchphrase of the souls like series and genre is get good that's that's the fan <laughs> imposed one but yeah you do get good you get better at surviving you don't and, that, and that's where i think the horror elements come in is because you get better at surviving in this i was gonna say a lot place. of the survival horror aspects of like early resident evils is like yeah you can fight back but it's it's difficult. Like you have to manage your resources because you yes. can very well end up in a situation where you have no ability to fight back and you're big time fucked. Yes, exactly. That's when you. That's literally when you just go back, load up your previous save, and go. Yeah, but okay, but that's but dumb. then you're being like, oh, it's like, not scary because like I labeling. can exploit the game mechanics. Like that's 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 completely. Bull- that's like me it's, saying the, Dark the, Souls horror three is easy. This horror movie that's isn't like scary because I can turn Souls- the TV off. I was going to say, that's like saying Dark Souls well, is like easy because like I can just summon some dude to do it for me. 
there are plenty of spots where, like, you have to resource manage in the last bus. There are fucking bloaters and infected and people that'll kill you if you don't got no ammo or anything. But that doesn't make it a horror game. You don't think The element. Last of Us is a horror game? It's not! It definitely, what first off, mean? first off, what do first... you think it is? It's not a horror game. What genre is it, Nick? It's an act, it's literally an action stealth shooter. That is the genre. What? The story is about a love for a parent to a child. I have a question. How is that a horror game? What do you mean? Silent Hill is a horror game and that is about losing a loved one? It can have themes. What are you, J.R.R. Tolkien with your fucking hatred of allegory? (laughs) No, I I fully feel like the, the genre of The Last of Us is not horror. And if you listen or pay attention to anything the creators talk about The Last of Us, there is never, ever a mention of it being a horror game. Because it's not a horror game. That's not the okay. point. It can scare the shit out of you. And the zombies can be okay. scary. Okay. But it's not okay. a horror game. Here, here's the where I want to divide the line. I believe that The Last of Us has horror elements. Just like I think that the first Uncharted has horror elements. There's definitely like a part in that game where you're like, Alright, this is a little spooky scary. But I don't think that you can argue that something that is so based off of like horror literature and something that has, has got so much imagery that is specifically like, you know, horror motif based is not a horror game. Are we still talking about The Last of Us? What? Are we still talking about Not Now I'm talking about, about Bloodborne. Yeah, there's no about the Bloodborne. Oh yeah, I, um, I feel like I I can and I have, I will give in after saying this, um, it's basically just more visceral, gory, Dark Souls and Dark Souls isn't a horror game. There's nothing about that series that I think it also has says oh this is a horror. I, I game. think it also has like horror elements, but, but, isn't viscera and gore another factor in horror because like stephen king yes and no stephen king defines says that there are really there are three types of horror uh and 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck up the quote but you know like you know uh the gross out is one of them you know what i mean like i i definitely think that something being so overwhelmingly like gross to look at can be in its own way horrifying but I think that even beyond that, there are there are a lot of horror elements. Gross out horror terror. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, so this is this is a lot of semantics, and of course, like personal view. So like the plot has been one hundred percent understandable if you view that. The the plot has. Anyways, been lost. I would I would I think it's like wall gore and viscera. Is can be tangentially related to horror. It doesn't mean horror. It's like how a rectangle is a square, but a square is not a rectangle. It's part of it, but it doesn't mean it because there's so many, so many gory and visceral pieces of media out there that have nothing to do with horror. And while it being gross and being like, oh, I don't like seeing blood and stuff can unnerve you, that doesn't necessarily mean that the entire piece of media is a horror piece of media. 
that just means there's unnerving parts of it, just like you'd experience in the real world. So that that was that was my whole point about about it not being like a okay a horror game just because it's got the the blood, the guts, and the unnerving. But it sense. doesn't just have those. It doesn't just have those. Like when you dig into the idea of like old gods washing up and being like and 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 having their like their blood consumed for their for for their you know their uh natural abilities when you think about like seeing ancient eldritch horrors in the sky you don't think that that's like that is like a scary thing depending on the circumstance no because what? Just like in D and D, facing face, just because you're facing an unknowable, powerful being doesn't so, right. mean it's inherently so, scary. Right. If you're a D and D character and you're facing the primordial concept of chaos, that doesn't mean your entire D and D campaign is a horror campaign, or that that fight is even a. But horror that, that's fight. the thing. That means you are is facing it... a primordial, un, un, in, entirely unknowable force. That you've got but, but now we're talking and that's the story of now we're talking about the difference between like a fight and themes if the themes of the game include these things i think but we fight all of the uh, we fight all of the elder tours that we learn about every single one of are, them. and there and how many of those them. are easy fights that that's the point of Souls yeah but that's also the point of horror is that it's fights. hard to overcome the things you're afraid of but you do. Think about how the way horror movie uh, horror movies usually end is that the, they overcome the thing that is causing them the horror. Most horror media I find is that they have survived the thing, but they are forever left scarred and traumatized by and it. Not that they've overcome their fear of it. They don't. But that, that's the thing is that when I because say overcome, I don't mean horrible. overcome as in like they're not afraid of it anymore. I mean that they manage to to get through it. They manage to survive. But this isn't. But like, Bloodborne isn't managing to get through it. Bloodborne is winning. You like Souls-like games in general. You win. Okay, you you get you through a through, fight in Bloodborne, you fight, you, and you got you survived that fight. All right, listen. I don't know. No, you have won it because you are standing, and the, the other opponent is dead. But no, I no, I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't agree. That's fine. Everybody has their own opinion. That's that's entirely fine. Just just arguing. The standpoint for me and horror is that it's we and we've entirely gotten lost in the sauce. I can just hear Tyler's like silent judging. Sorry, Tyler. As we continue Sorry. on this, I just want to. All right, wait, hang on. I wanted to add something <laughs> earlier before before we jump back into this, and just that in the Bloodborne stage play, I would like there to be like a background choir uh, that sings this like like very like chilling motif over all the other songs. Understandable, understandable. I dig that, that background choir. Yeah, like you know, like standard. That's the first thing I pictured. <laughs> Overall, um, gonna gonna end my rant because I still I still have to listen to uh let Tyler speak and then uh say my probably unsurprising one. Um, but like for me, horror is based on not the overcoming of a horrible or terrifying situation but on the lasting effects it leaves on you the fact that you can't overcome it in the sense of a 
Souls-like or an RPG or even Resident Evil, because I know Resident Evil is a horror game like genre, but for me, it's not a scary or horror game because ultimately you fight and slay the things that should be scaring you and chasing you down and giving you that helpless feeling. Isn't that of, subjective? Oh, shit, I've just got to get out of here. Exactly. Yeah. So like, exactly my point. I was gonna say like, like this we, whole, we this all whole have our. That's why I said this was, is like my take on. Yeah, I was gonna say this whole horror. argument was just semantics about what Nick finds scary. And that's, that's fine. That's what. That's what we're. That's what we're kind of here to do is is to talk about our, our thoughts and viewpoints on things. Makes so. sense. Makes sense. And how mine's right, and it is. No, <laughs> no, please, somebody get the pitchforks and torches. <laughs> okay. All right. But yeah, no, we're we it's it really is. It breaks down to uh individual uh taste, preferences, and viewpoints on it. But for me it's like definitely not a horror game. And like the genre of these games, like the genre they're given by the people creating them are not horror. Now, if you take it like we discussed earlier before we started recording, if you take it as a horror piece of media, it can't exactly just be entirely full. No. It can be argued and be like, hey yo, like this is what I think and or others think or is the intention, but like everybody has everybody has their own experiences that mold the way they view things. Yeah, okay, so let me tell you about these really stupid dancing games. Please. Um <laughs> what a transition that is. Um so an opposite of, of horror, I guess. Um the pl- the the personal you know, actually, actually, Nick, I'm going to let you go first. I think I'm going to finish with this. <laughs> oh, I technically, I have one and a half because the half is just ridiculous and I wouldn't actually want it, but it'd be funny. Um, We'll cover that one first. The, the Kingdom Hearts series as stage plays, just because it could be just as, if not more ridiculous than the never ending stage plays of uh, Persona. That would just so much shit. I want to know. I want to be the guy who has to play Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> but yeah, that would that would just be absolutely ridiculous. Now for my actual one, and it's funny that it was mentioned again. But The Last of Us, because holy shit, it was it was it was already kind of done in some of the the last recordings, last takes of the game. They were they're doing this really tense scene, but the <laughs> the uh, game director and writer went to like uh, the different VAs like Ashley Johnson. Uh, I fucking forget Marlene Zachter's name, but she plays her in the the show too. Um, her and all these different characters, and they're like, all right, so when you do this line, you gotta sing. And they're like, all right, done. And Troy Baker, the, the the actor, voice actor for Joel, had no idea. He just showed up thinking it'd be fine and dandy. And then they start singing all this shit. And he's like, he's carrying up uh, like a, either like a dummy or a person in his arms or some shit. And he's like, what? You see on his face the clear not understanding what's happening to him right now. I just feel like an entire story of of just that would be ridiculous. It'd be hilarious and honestly just <laughs> really lightning. That's pretty baller. That's 
Definitely an odd one. I would. Can we get Pedro Pascal back as Joel? We could. Yo, if he's willing to sing, one hundred percent. I'm one hundred percent down. He did, he did a good. I don't even Joel. care if he's a bad singer. I want to hear it. I want to be there for I it. I just want to. I want to <laughs> see him dance. That'd be amazing. So, mm. here's a little funny thing that I've I've realized. Because uh, I was looking it up, because I knew the name uh, Troy Baker sounded familiar, like I had seen it recently. So I started Googling, and I realized that the voice actor for Kanji from Persona 4 was, in the original, it was Troy Baker. And then I was like, oh, he got replaced? You know who replaced him? Matt Mercer! <laughs> oh Matt my <laughs> Mercer! <laughs> so Matt Mercer, a fourth time, uh, cannot escape Matt Mercer. He is, um, he is never-ending. He's the beginning and he's the end. Also, the actors for them in the stage plays are listed when you Google their voice actor. So you can see what actors played them in the stage plays. So, <laughs> so that's nice. So let's talk about these stage plays for a second because like, these, these stage plays are just absolutely wild as I've described to you a million times. Um, and the thing that I began thinking about when I realized that there was the fighting games got... Um, that the fighting games got stage plays is why the fuck did the fighting games get stage plays? Because persona has dancing games. Persona actually has dancing games. Um, for some odd reason, Atlas, because they like money, I guess decided that they were going to make rhythm dancing games for the persona series. Specifically. Um, I believe it's persona Four dancing all night. Yeah. It's persona Four. Uh, Persona 3, Dancing in the Moonlight, Persona 4, Dancing All Night, and then Persona 5, Dancing in the Starlight. And these games are wild for their own reasons that, like, that has nothing to do with this right now. But uh, what's important about them is that they are A, musical, as in they have music in them that is, that is integral to the plot, B, have oh dancing, God. and C, and this is the most important, Everybody gets hip hop redesigns, and they're great. Oh they're fantastic <laughs> designs. I'll have to send you some of them later. But people who are listening, do yourselves a favor and just Google like any like some of the dancing outfits. Like for instance, you could just Google Kanji dancing outfit, And it'll probably be the first thing that comes up. Let's see. It is. Yeah, the first thing that comes up. K-A-N-J-I dancing outfit. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it's wild that this exists, that these games exist. What's even more wild is that these don't have a stage play. Why don't these have a stage play? I want to see that. Because A. It feels like it would fit. Because A, Persona Music is fucking amazing. So listening to it is like a treat and B it's a dancing game. Like they literally defeat the villain of the game with the power of dance. This is built for stage plays. Why wouldn't you do this? I would fly to Japan to see this. It would be art, absolute art. And I'm so disappointed that they decided that that was they chose the fighting game. Yeah, they decided on the fighting games. And I get it. The fighting games are much more popular. So I get why they would do that. But at the same time, no. I want the dancing games. 
<laughs> at the same time... Give it to him now! At the same time, no, give me the funny dancing games. Because they're just like... And I don't know, it's just, it's kind of disappointing that we get all these Persona stage plays, but we never get the actual one that would make sense as a stage play, which is their dancing, dancing games. So, that's kind of, that's, that's the, that's the, um, that's what, that's the game that I would personally pick to get a stage play. I would pick to continue the Persona stage play trend by creating stage plays for the dancing games. And I think that that would make fucking money. Because I don't know for certain, but I think that these plays make money. Because they keep making them. And I can't imagine they're making them at a loss. I cannot imagine they're making it at a loss. And if they are, that's even more amazing. But yeah. Well, that's just wild. Yeah, so that's that's my hopefully conclusion to the wacky world of Persona plays. I think I ran out of them. I think I did. And I didn't even mention everything. Like, there's some weird stuff that, like, I won't even, like, like, that there's not really a whole bunch of points bringing up. Like, for instance, they remade all the in-game graphics of, of, like, the games with live-action actors. Uh, Some graphics they just don't need to. For instance, there's a part at the opening of the Persona 4 play where they show a silhouette of the one character who has just died. Like, they're they're dead, and their body is, like, hanging from a water tower. Uh, not by, like, a noose, but, like, by their legs. But they didn't have to recreate that, because it's just a background thing. Instead, they, they recreated it with an, with an actual live-action actor, and then filmed it, and then put it on the screen in the background. They also filmed, like, cut-ins and shit, and, like, background graphics, like, with the characters in costume, like, live action. Like, there's no point to doing that. They don't need to do that. They just did it. Because, I don't know, they... They, they just felt like it. They just have too much time on their hands. And as do I. Because I've spent so much time of my life listening to Japanese stage plays that I don't understand. I don't speak Japanese. I don't know what they're saying. The only way I could figure out what half the songs are about is through context clues because I played the games. And it's just like, I think I'm free. I think I'm done. I think the Persona <laughs> Play guy has officially covered all the Persona plays that exist to this date. When 6 comes out and they inevitably do another one, I'll be there. Not literally, but I will be doing research on it. Because of course I will. And now... Yeah, we're going to send Tyler to see the stage we're play in podcast funds to send you to see that stage play. That would be amazing. I don't know how feasible that would ever be, but that would be amazing. But this brings me to my next mission because I've realized something. The persona play guy has to evolve. I have to grow from this. And I've decided that my, for this, I have no idea when this will be because there's a lot to cover, but I plan on playing the persona dancing games. And reporting back here with my findings. My first finding is that you cannot play them with DDR pads. I've tried. How do you you play them? You play them with a controller. Wait, so the rhythm, so they're like, almost like a guitar hero more than a dancing game. Yes. Okay, alright. And I attempted to 
because I had the I had the the four dancing game, and I attempted to see if I could like basically like bootleg my way into using the DDR pad and I got the DDR pad set up and I immediately lost the first song because it was not working. <laughs> so, uh, so no DDR pad, but there is a story mode. So look out for that at some point in the future. Um, saying it right now that the persona play guy is going to evolve into the persona dancing game guy. <laughs> that's it. That, that's, 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 I rest my case. I, I need medical help. <laughs> <laughs> My hyperfixation is slowly killing me. That's beautiful. Truly, you are an awe-inspiring individual going that far for the the media you love. We should all aspire to be like. No, you. no, don't tell people that. <laughs> don't, don't be me. Don't be me. Whatever you do. <laughs> Save yourself hours of Japanese stage plays. Don't be me. Uh, yeah, Tyler, I, can I tell you something? You're tell the pizza me. tower guy but about I'm... Persona stage plays. No, I'm the pizza... No! <laughs> no, the pizza tower guy. Oh, God. What have I done? I've made myself the pizza tower guy. Uh, if anybody doesn't get that joke, get... Google it. Just Google it. Just Google Sorry. it. <laughs> well, it seems as if we've we've reached an inevitable conclusion. Um. Yes. Yeah. This we is, have. This has been government love. <laughs> what? A, what? A it, it feels like this came to such a depressing end. <laughs> like my existential Listen, crisis. We, we came. We came down from the high of being goobers. Arguing about is Bloodborne a horror? And we game? all know it is. <laughs> no. Anyway, no, okay, okay. I'm cutting this off. This has been <laughs> Government Love Bot. I've been Tyler, sadly the Persona Play guy. I have been D. I've been. Oh, I'm sorry, Nick. I took your spot. <laughs> oh no, he got me again. And that's how you know for sure that Bloodborne is a horror game. I'm D. I'm Nick. The Bloodborne is not a horror game, guy. Okay, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, don't forget to pull out your government love bots.